Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Let's get into it. As always, I'm Maurice, and you're listening to Category Is. The Queen passed, they had the royal funeral, and still not over it. What's up, y'all? We're back for another episode of Category Is. The world, I think, is still in collective mourning uh, about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Um, she passed on Thursday, September 8th, so about two weeks ago. But, I mean, shockwaves around the world. Um, yeah, but let's get into our drink for the, for this week, the cocktail. I was debating like what to, to go for um, in honor of Her Majesty the Queen. So I was thinking of Pim's Cup, but that's very summery of a drink. Um, it's got like all the fruit and, you know, all the ice and stuff. So so this week's cocktail pays homage to the queen. Uh, it's a gin-based cocktail. And reportedly she had a gin um, drink every night before bed, which I know that's right. Get your little nightcap situation, lay you down real quick. And call it a night. Her Majesty said she drank uh, like a gin cocktail every evening. It was like a gin and Dubonnet, which I couldn't find that. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that tastes like. So this week I'm drinking a London Fog, which is basically two ingredients, gin and pastis. And pastis is like a liqueur, kind of puts you in the mind of... It's described as like anise flavor, so like a star anise. Um, so kind of kind of licorice-y, kind of like ouzo if you've ever been to Greece, or <laughs> Jägermeister if you uh, were a college kid back in the day. But it has an interesting taste. It's not my favorite cocktail, so a bit different, but should probably just do some brown to lay me down real quick. So whatever you're drinking, pour some out for the homie who ain't here. Her late majesty, Queen Elizabeth II. So yeah, y'all, let's let's talk about it. Um, So she passed away September the 8th. Um, Earlier that day, well, I couldn't sleep the night before. And I don't know why. Maybe it's just a feeling in the universe. But um, I woke up and was just feeling a bit odd that day. And then uh, my friend Marky in Canada sent me the news that uh, the Queen's doctors had um, expressed concerns for the, her health. And then all the members of the royal family were, like, headed on their way to Scotland um, to go see her. So I was like, okay, that's a bit concerning, you know. And I guess they just didn't want, or they were just trying to make it there, you know, to see her one last time, I guess. Um, once the news came out, well, I feel like they messed up the timing of it because... You would think, like, before putting out um, press releases that they would have contacted the family first. But it felt like they heard at the same time we did because, like, nobody made it there in time. Because she was up at uh, Balmoral Castle, which is in Scotland, like, in, like the interior of the country. So I guess there's not an airport nearby. Um, but, yeah, by the afternoon... Uh, I had I didn't have any meetings um, for like a period, so I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna walk the dog, and so we're sitting in the park, you know, checking the updates to see like, you know, what's going on, and then all of a sudden like the news 
the breaking news alert comes through and then my phone like went dead. Like, I guess she like broke the internet because my internet wasn't working. My texts weren't going through. Like my phone was just completely bricked. And I heard that, you know, for a lot of people, it was kind of the same thing. So I guess, you know, the news was spreading and people were, you know, kind of taking it to their phones and social media and like all kinds of stuff. And that was it. Like she, she was gone. And I said earlier that it was shocking. And I think that's still true um, because not that, you know, yes, she was like 96 years old and, you know, her health, you know, when you're 96, you know, you're 96. I don't care how, um, you know, well of a life you're living. I mean, she's a queen, but, you know, so she, you know, had access to the best stuff. She had access to the best doctors. She had access to the best food, like everything. But, you know, death comes for us all. But it was shocking in the sense that she'd just been there forever, like for everything. So she's, you know, at 96, you know, she's outlived a lot of people. Um, She's been the queen. She was the queen for 70 years. And you know, longer than a lot of people have been alive. (laughs) So she was already the queen when my mom was born. So it's like, you know, four generations of people know her as the queen. When you think about, you know, someone that's always been there for your entire life, it's almost like losing a parent. It's almost like losing a grandparent. You know, it's like, okay. And, you know, essentially she was like the grandmother of the world. You know, even though majority of the people in the world had never met her had only seen her in pictures or on tv i know the crown blew up on netflix the past couple of weeks but it is a loss and you know the world is just never gonna be the same and so i read an article by a grief specialist founder of grief.com uh, his name is david keller oh, kessler and so He says, when we talk about collective grief, we often mistakenly think that we need to know the person. What people often don't understand is that this person was a part of our lives without ever meeting them. And in the case of uh, Queen Elizabeth, it was truly like a matriarch dying. She became the backdrop of our lives and connected us to ourselves. We remember not just their milestones, but how their milestones connect to ours. Her dying is not only the end of her life, but it reflects our own passages through life. And then another psychologist named George Bonanno, I said banana, uh, from Columbia University says that it goes beyond the loss of someone we love. It's when we lose something that's key to our, our identity. And there are going to be a lot of people for whom this is a real loss of something important to their identity. In England, the monarchy is to some people a crucial sense of their country, nationalism, and their identity, which is true because if you go to um, England, if you've ever been to London, like literally everything had her name on it or her cipher or something like the mailboxes, the little grates on the, like the manhole covers, uh, you go to anywhere and you see her name, her image, her likeness, like just all over everything. And it's, you know, been that way for a number of years. She on the money. She got, <laughs> she got her own money, like on um, coming to America. But 
all of that is going to have to change. And, you know, that's what's going to make it final for a lot of people. And I think uh, that's going to be the hard part. It's kind of that, like, letting go of everything. So, you know, changing all that stuff is going to take a while, but they were already going through, like, a number of changes. It just happened too fast for me. So I know they have been planning for this for a number of years. Like, it's probably decades even. They had a special, like, code word for it. It's called Operation London Bridge. So if you watch The Crown, they talk about it um, in a couple... in at least one scene where they talk about the plans for like their deaths and their funerals. And each one was named after a bridge. So hers was London bridge. Um, somebody's was Tay bridge. I think it was uh, Prince Philip. And then Charles's was something else. I can't remember fourth bridge or something like that. But yeah, anyway, it's this grand plan for like what happens when the queen passes away. And so, you know, they had, to set everything in motion. Um, so, of course, Charles immediately becomes king. Uh, he chose the name King Charles III. Uh, his wife, that heifer, is now the queen consort. Just meaning, you know, she married to the king. Uh, should have been Diana, but we're not going to go there. And then typically, well, when Charles became Prince of Wales, it was like this huge elaborate ceremony, like in Wales. And it, it was also featured on the crown. Um, but Charles was like, nah, I'm just going to throw this title at you real quick. So William and his frowsy ass wife became the new prince and princess of Wales. But the first thing they did was snatch up all her jewelry because <laughs> did you see? It's like one of those movies where when somebody dies and then the people just start snatching off their rings. <laughs> The bracelets, because they turned up to the fume with all the queen jewelry on. Like, damn, y'all can't even wait till the body cold. But that's just the type of people that they are. But now let's talk about the people that we really care about: Prince Harry and Meghan, the the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So they had happened to be over in the UK um, for a number of different um, like events, something for the Invictus Games. Um, they were going to do something at the Well Child Awards. Um, and then, you know, the news broke. So they had to head back on up to um, to Windsor. And they were going to try to make it to Balmoral. But the way the flights worked out, um, everybody was on one flight. And then Harry was on a later flight. So uh, anyway, we're not going to go back to that. But. The silver lining to all of this is that Harry and Meghan's kids, Archie and Lily, are now officially prince and princess um, because they are grandchildren of the king, meaning and they couldn't get it because um, when the queen was alive because they were great grandchildren and she would have had to change the laws again. She already changed it for um, William's kids, so she would have had to issue another letters patent but then, you know, that would have had bigger implications like later down the line. So that she didn't do it. But anyway, yeah. So legally, there are Prince Archie and Princess Lily of Sussex. But, you know, it's up to the parents whether they want them to use the Prince or Princess title. It does come with, you know, the protection, the security that um, Harry and Meghan alluded to in their Oprah interview when they were dropping all them bombs. But... It's up to the parents, but I would I would use that shit. Like I'm entitled to it, so I'm gonna use it. 
and I would not give a fuck about it because you see how they were treat, trying to treat Megan when she showed up down to the fume. And let's talk about the fume first of all. So, like I said, they had all these plans for how the fume was going to be carried out. She was going to lay in state in Scotland for like a little bit, then make her way down to. Um, so she made her way down to Edinburgh. And laid down there for a little while. <laughs> then she came back to Buckingham Palace. And then they set her up down at Westminster Hall, which is um, right around the corner from Westminster Abbey. So personally, I don't think this might be, well, this might be kind of uncouth to talk about. But that body was not in that coffin. Because <laughs> just logistically, like, think of it, like, it would be, it would have been, like, sitting out for like a week and a half like yeah nah it was not in there and then i don't even think the crown and all the regalia that they put on top the orb and the scepter i don't even think that was the real ones like you can do a lot with uh synthetic stuff these days and technology is really enhanced so a lot of um them jewels can be made in the lab but i just don't think just because logistically, like, if something happened, you know, God forbid, it just wouldn't be a good look for the situation. But the people were lined up, like, five miles long, waiting in line for up to, like, 24 hours to go and walk past the fume, uh, walk past the coffin. And they, ca- they called it the queue. So she lay in state in Westminster Hall for, what, like, almost a week it was a long time and you had to wait in line they called it the queue and they had a queue tracker um on the internet that you could you know see how long the wait was before you got in line um like damn you ain't got no fast pass i'll just try to get me um a little wristband (laughs) or something but i probably would have waited the whole time um it was up to a 24-hour wait it was like a five mile long line which is crazy like the thing was open 24 hours a day for the people to come and walk past and pay their respects and i watched some of it on the youtube and for the you know people were civilized they did have a couple incidents that that made the news some guy tried to bum rush the the coffin um one of the guards passed out and like face planted on the floor um then there was like two allegations of some stuff going on in the line we're not gonna talk about that but for the most part people were respectful like people were dressed to come see the queen one last time and they were polite and they would come and they would bow and they would curtsy and you know be like boohoo crying and then they would walk off it was it was it was touching to kind of see that so then we finally get down to the fume. And y'all know, British fumes are boring. I feel like all of their events are kind of stale. Like, them hymns they be singing do not be hitting. I was waiting for somebody to sing Going Up Yonder, because that always set the fume off. But they had all the foreign royals there. They had all the foreign, um, like, presidents and prime ministers were there. They had put out a press release that said um, the king asked the foreign heads of state not to take private jets into the into London. 
um, to not bring a security. Like they couldn't drink, drive their own cars. Uh, they had to <laughs> basically park somewhere off site and then ride a party bus down to the fume. And I was just like, I don't know if that sounds like the safest option. Um, because if you've seen London has fallen, I think I was just picturing that in my head because it, it's like the same kind of setup, like the monarch died. So all the foreign um, powers were coming in for the fume. And then these terrorists kind of like blow up the whole thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just didn't think it was a good idea to have everybody like riding in these party buses, unless it was the ones with the stripper pole. That would have been fun. But did y'all see my girl Megan down to the fume? She had an old nasty outfit, y'all. She had on a wide brimmed black hat and then like this caped dress and these gloves, like elbow length gloves. Mama gave me everything, the tiniest little pearl earrings I've ever seen, but they were a gift uh, from the queen herself. So she was paying a little nasty homage. And the dress she wore was actually... um. She wore the blue version of the dress to the Queen's birthday party um, in, I think, 2018, they said? 2018? Yeah, it was like 2018, maybe 2019. And the hat that she wore was actually the black version of the hat that she wore to the Queen's like Platinum Jubilee celebration, which was just a few months ago. So, again, it was levels on top of levels to the thought that went into her outfit. And it was a slate. Like, she looked good. She didn't try to, like, do what I felt the other royal women did. Like I said, they raided her jewelry vault and tried to wear all these jewels to say, oh, you know, now... Because, you know, now they have the access to the jewels. But it was more like a... It was almost like a jewelry flex. Like, this belonged to Queen Victoria. This belonged to, you know, Queen Elizabeth. And now I have access to it, so I'm going to wear it. And... One, them, that jewelry, old, and it's made for old ladies. And so you look like you're playing dress up with these old lady jewels on. And Megan was like, I'm not playing that game with y'all. So I'm going to come through. Because she literally had on the plainest outfit there. Like, it was no embroidery. There was no ribbons and bows. And she didn't wear an old nasty brooch. It was simple, classic, and stunning she did that she was the best that did it then they drove the casket all the way back to windsor castle where which was going to be her final resting place and i was doing okay until they had the dogs lined up and they had the horse out there too the queen's horse watching the the coffin drive by in the hearse and that was like oh my gosh that was really sad but you know life goes on there was a meme that said the queen lived just long enough to see the Shiba Shere fashion show. <laughs> so that was a little bit funny. Um, but, you know, sometimes you need to laugh through the pain. But that's about all I got for the funeral, y'all. It was sad. We move into this new era of, I don't know what they're going to be doing over there, but we'll see how it goes. A few other things that happened during the hiatus. Serena Williams retired from tennis. She had a nasty cover of Vogue uh, magazine. The September issue. Um, the Emmys were last week. I ain't watching. But tens for 
Shirley Ralph, who won an Emmy for her role in Abbott Elementary, which starts back this week, um, season two. And Quinta Quinta Bronson won an Emmy as well for like best writing um, of Abbott Elementary. So tens, tens, tens for y'all. Um, Lizzo won for something. I don't know. I've never seen that child show, but the gag was that she ended RuPaul's um, reign (laughs) as queen of winning, what is it, um, best uh, competition show for RuPaul's Drag Race. But that's what, I mean, I haven't watched Drag Race in a number of years either. So the show I have been watching for the past few weeks is House of the Dragon, which is the prequel to Game of Thrones. It's all about House Targaryen. And it is really, really, really good, y'all. Like, it does kind of work on an, like, accelerated time frame. I know they only have, like, 10 episodes, and they're trying to fit in, I think it's, like, 20 years worth of, um, almost 30 years, I think, worth of time into one season. So, I mean, they could probably handle it a little bit better. My main issue with it is that the women... Because Game of Thrones was known for the fashions. Like, the fashion department there went, like, crazy, especially with the budget um, they had in, the, like, the later years. But House of the Dragon starting out with, like, an immense budget. But my main issue with the show is that the women wear the same dress, like, the whole episode. <laughs> so this one episode was supposed to take place over, like, the course of a few weeks. And the lady wore the same dress in every scene. It's like, okay, like, I'm wearing it today. And then time will pass. It's the next afternoon, and she still has on the same dress. And then two more days pass, and she still got on the same dress. I was like, girl, come on. I know that things stink by now. But that's all I got, y'all. I'm going to get on out of here, and I'll see y'all next week. God save the queen. for joining me for another week i really hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you did please be sure to like rate and review the show wherever you're listening to category is right now category is podcast is recorded in philadelphia the show is hosted edited mixed and produced by me maurice smith